I'll tell you, it is always a delight and a privilege to be able to come together and to worship. Before we just get started, I have a couple of things I'd like to ask for you to pray about and just want to make sure that you know. Uh, one, we are just getting started with another pastor search to bring on an additional associate pastor or pastor of adult ministries onto our church. So that process is getting started. So would you be sure to pray about that so that God will continue to build our team as we look to shepherd well the flock of God that God has entrusted to us. And then also just so everyone knows next Sunday, all of the kids are starting to come back. Okay. So like birth, and we've had a lot of births this summer, uh, all the way through our elementary, of course, our high school and junior high are already starting to have already been meeting on campus and on Sunday morning. So make sure you RSVP and friends, I'm asking if you would pray. We're doing everything we can to keep things as safe as possible. Uh, pray that that would go well. And I just also want to encourage you, if you want to make a significant investment in the life of a little person and the lives of these families, uh, we uh, have tremendous opportunities, even for just one hour a month. I mean, some of these kids are so excited. I saw one of them. I had a tire problem. He was wearing his Illuminate t-shirt right there. Uh, he's, he's excited about it. We had a young boy. His dad brought him to church. Uh, he was so excited. He thought today all the kids were coming back. And like, no, it's next week. He was still jumping up and down. So friends, I encourage you, talk to Carrie and Kim, those two uh, ladies that were up here uh, leading us in worship. Uh, just contact the church office and we'll get you the information so you can be investing there. And then uh, even now, we have a Discover Life membership class. I just came from there. We've got all these lovely people that have been coming to fellowship online, started to come here. They're learning more about how to become members. God is at work. And so let me encourage you to be praying about these matters. So if you want to find your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, I want you to know that people will go to great lengths to show the perception or give the perception that they are wonderful people or to protect uh, their image, and they'll get pretty clever at it. Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah tells of a very wealthy woman who wanted to have her life story and her history written in a book. And she had all sorts of means, and she hired a well-known author to do the research uh, on her family and her background and her life and to write the book. Well, on their first meeting back, um, this author approached this woman and said, well, you're not going to believe this, but I've been you know, doing research on your family, and um, are you seated? Because... One of your great-grandfathers was a murderer. And not only that, uh, he was eventually sent to the electric chair, electrocuted at Sing Sing, you know, that New York uh, maximum security prison. And she's like, oh, no, she had never heard that before. And like, you, well, you can't put that in the book. And he says, if I'm going to write this book, and it's going to be a book with integrity, I've got to put that in the book. And she's like, no. Finally... She relented and said this, well, if you have, to find a, you have to find a way of saying that that hides the truth. If it's got to be in the book, you figure out a way to say it that hides the truth. And so this is what this author did. And if you want to see what a master in deception looks like, this is what he wrote in the book. Quote, one of her great-grandfathers occupied the chair of applied electricity in one of America's best-known institutions. And then listen to this. 
He was very much attached to his position and literally died in the harness. Okay? I'll tell you what, that is like being creative with the truth, right? Twisting it around. So it's out there, but no one was ever going to fully understand what the truth of the matter is. The LA Times reports that the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey was hiring electricians, and they had 170-plus applicants for a particular position, and they actually put a blind item on the application that asked, have you ever had experience working with a Sontag connector? And over a third of the applicants indicated that they had either used a Sontag connector or they had supervised others that had been using them. And the reason that that was so surprising is that there is no such thing as a Sontag connector. But they found out who's honest and truthful. I mean, we just have a way of functioning like that. We'll do anything to promote ourselves, right? Or protect an image. We'll stretch the truth, twist it, change it. In fact, in today's culture, we almost expect that people are going to feed us some lines here and there. Um, You see it in everyday conversation. You see it in the political field. I mean, some of our politicians, if their mouth is moving, you're like, I'm not even sure if half of that is true, right? And then, but it happens in the business world. It happens in journalism all the time. You highlight certain facts, you omit others, and you twist and shape and change, and you can pretty much say whatever you want and have people draw conclusions, even if they're wrong or they're inaccurate. And friends, I want you to know this. In order to have trust, we've got to have truth. In order to have trust, like in your marriage with your family, whether parents with their kids or kids with your parents, you've got to learn how to speak the truth. Otherwise, you're not going to have any trust. In your friendships, if you can't be truthful, guess what? You don't have trust, and you don't really have much of a friendship anymore. Um, it's true like at work. You need to be truthful. It's true at, at uh, a court of law. You've got to be in a position where you are speaking truthfully or everything breaks down. In order to have trust, you have to have truth. So how is it? How do we, as kingdom citizens, that Jesus calls in Matthew 5.13, the the salt of the earth, or beginning in verse 14, the light of the world, how do we, as kingdom citizens, learn to consistently be truth? tellers. Friends, this is so critically important. One of the things that we absolutely must be known for is that we are people that tell the truth. And to highlight how important that is, that's what Jesus addresses in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 33 through 37. You see, in the kingdom of Christ, we are to be known for telling the truth as a way of life. So how do you become a consistent truth teller? Well, look what Jesus has to say. Beginning in verse 33, first of all, I want to highlight, you've got to reject duplicity. So Jesus says, as we continue our way through the Sermon on the Mount, again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. 
And here Jesus is combining several Old Testament quotes, specifically from Leviticus 19.12, Numbers 30, verse 2, and Deuteronomy 23.21. And he uses two different vows. The first one, you shall not make false vows. This is to swear falsely, to perjure yourself, to make a false vow. And the second one is, he says, but you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. This is where you make an oath or a vow, but you are actually invoking something to say that I swear that this is true. In fact, uh, I want a punishment carried out if it's not true. It's like you're really putting yourself out there and you're saying, I am verifying that it's true by what I'm telling you. I swear by this. And this was, this was actually somewhat of a common practice, apparently, in Israel. People would make statements, and they would swear by an oath. They would make a vow. But you see, they got pretty clever at this. They learned how to make vows that in actuality would be deceitful and actually not be true, but it made them look as if they were speaking the truth. And they got pretty creative of it. at it. You want to see how creative? Look what Jesus says. He literally shatters their approach in this, this way. He says, verse 34, But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Jesus is saying you don't need to have some sort of oath to verify the veracity of your statements. And what he's doing is he's he's saying, listen, your practice, I want you to know it looks like you're coming off as holy and a big truth teller. And he says, you have completely missed the point. You see, the, the Jewish people, they would never want to break the third commandment. Remember the third commandment? You know, you shall not take the Lord your God's name in vain. So they would never use God's name. And they wouldn't even use it in oaths. But what they did is they picked some other things. In fact, things like Jesus highlights there, you know, like Jerusalem, you know, or your head, okay? And he's, or heaven. And he's like, I want you to completely stop that. What they did is they took Leviticus 19.12 that says that you shall not make a false oath, okay? And you shall not use my name falsely. And they said, okay, that's all we have to do. We'll use other things like heaven, Jerusalem, my head, and we won't be culpable for saying something that's not true because we didn't violate the name of God. And what Jesus is doing, and he's, he's addressing their flippant, profane, and careless use of oaths. He's addressing it head on. Now, he's not saying that you wouldn't ever make an oath. In fact, throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament, you see different oaths that are being made. What he's addressing, though, is that cover-up deception, that tricking people to make you, you're giving the impression you're telling the truth and you're amping it up with all these O's that you're throwing out there when in fact you're deceiving them. He says, this has got to stop. Now, this doesn't forbid giving oaths, serious ones, like perhaps like in a court of law or in a deposition, right? To say like, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. 
Uh, we see oaths given like in depositions at court. If you've ever been to a wedding, they're making a solemn oath, the second most important oath they'll ever make. They are swearing, they're making an oath, a vow to love each other and be committed to each other for a lifetime. It is really serious, huge. We see um, oaths given like um, by mayors, senators, representatives, the president of the United States. They're giving an oath. They're going to put their hand on a Bible, and they're going to swear to uphold the U.S. Constitution. We're familiar with that, and the Bible is not condemning that. What he's condemning is the flippant, the profane, just the careless throwing out of vows. Now, you might be saying, like, oh, those guys back there 2,000 years ago, how sorry is that? We don't have problems like that, right? Because we don't do things like that. Has, it, has anybody ever said, heard someone say, well, I, I swear to you by Jerusalem? Anybody? Didn't think so. But let me just show you how this works out in today's society. In fact, it's pretty prevalent. In fact, like phrases like this, well, to be honest with you, right? It is so commonplace in just our everyday communication. It happens all the time. O's like this. Well, I cross my heart and hope to die. You ever heard that? Like when I was younger, like, you know, like in elementary school, like if you really were trying to get to know the truth, you'd ask them and like, well, they'd say, like, cross my heart and hope to die, you know, things like that, right? But you still didn't know if they were all telling the truth, right? But they were making their big O's. But we do, friends, like we do this all the time. I mean, don't you hear statements like this? I swear to God, I'm, to be honest with you, to tell you the truth, um, honest to God, God is my witness. And it's, when you hear this, like, well, to be honest, it's almost as suggesting, like, or are you not normally honest? Now you're telling me that you're going to be honest? When someone, like, you know, gives this really pause, you know, like, hey, now I really want to tell you the truth on this. When someone does that, are we supposed to assume that, well, everything ahead of this has probably not been true? Now you're going to tell me the truth, but at some point, you're going to kind of weave back into not telling the truth or slipping in lies with the truth. What Jesus is addressing here is, friends, we need to be truth-tellers in life. That means we've got to reject duplicity. Let me say something else. If you want to become a consistent truth-teller, just like Jesus is pointing out, you've got to reject this duplicity. But second, you've got to respect God's authority. Only a high view of God and truth honors the God of truth. You see, What Jesus is pointing out there is like all of this belongs to God. The earth is his footstool. Jerusalem is city. There isn't anything or any place that is outside of God being present. So don't think that you're just being clever and like, well, it doesn't really matter. There is no bifurcation. Well, there's the sacred stuff and there's all the secular stuff. As if it doesn't matter or God isn't concerned, actually he's very concerned And he wants us to speak the truth. Heaven is God's. Earth is God's. uh, I want you to know Jerusalem is God's. Even your head belongs to God. You can't even change the color of your hair, right? I mean, if you still have hair, it's okay if you don't. It's fine. But you can't change it from black or white. Even your head is under his control. And a true reverence for God leads to truth-telling in life. If you take God and his truth seriously, 
then speaking the truth as an everyday conversation is going to matter to you. It's going to be important. After all, he knows the truth and you're in a relationship with him. If you don't take God seriously, you don't take his word seriously as truth, then you know what happens? You get pretty flippant with falsehoods. You're going to mix truth with error and you will do so whenever it is convenient to manipulate the conversation for your selfish ends. And so if you want to become a consistent truth teller, listen to Jesus. You've got to reject duplicity. You've got to respect God's authority. But notice how he concludes this in verse 37. You have to reveal a life of integrity. Jesus, Jesus sums it all up, verse 37, by saying this. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. And anything beyond these is of evil, literally is of the evil one. Let your statement, it's the Greek word logos, it's your word, it's your words. Let your words always be truthful. Yes, no. Anything beyond that? You're being manipulated by Satan. It's from the evil one. And so he's shattering this fragile glass of their hypocritical oaths that they use to cover lies. And he's saying, as my kingdom people, as my disciples, as me living in you, I want you to be a truth teller. I want you to know that trust is the coin of the kingdom. The currency of our relationships how we build them, develop them, how we keep them healthy, it's by being truthful. And when you're truthful, you build trust. So that's how we're to function. If you have a debt that you need to pay, friends, you don't need a 30-page contract to get you to perform, to fulfill that, paying it, right? Because why? We're truth-tellers. We know the one who is truth. We're in a relationship with him. In uh, in a marriage relationship, a husband and a wife, you know what they say? They say those two really important words. I do. When you say that, it is enough. Why? Because you are a person of your word. If you have an important important appointment and and someone has asked you to be there and you've agreed and said, yes, I'm going to do it, this is important to me, but you blow it off, friends, you're not taking truth and being a truth teller and issues of integrity to the level of seriousness that you need to be. You see, in order to have trust, we have to have truth. We have to speak it and we have to live it. When you think of like um, marriage, for instance, the great goal of marriage is oneness, intimacy. And I'm not just speaking about physical intimacy. What I'm really speaking about is hearts that really know one another, souls that are joined, lives that are lived together, to be known fully. That's what we pursue. But if you lack integrity, you're not truthful You're hiding things. Um, You're not always quite doing or saying what you are pretending or giving the image that's happening. You're sending signals that 
well, this is really what I'm doing, but in fact, it's, it's not true. Friends, you are breaking down intimacy. If you were loose with the truth in your marriage, guess what happens? You kind of start coexisting. In fact, this might explain lots of marriages. Two people coexisting in the same place, but there's this huge breakdown. There's no intimacy. There's no expressing of or your fears and, and your inadequacies. Truth is compromised. And you keep doing that long enough, and pretty soon, the other person doesn't know what to believe and certainly knows it's a lot of trouble for me to think that I can even trust you. Friends, few things hurt relationships like the habit of not telling the truth. That's true of marriage, true in family, true with parents with their kids, truth with kids with their parents, your extended family, every relationship, all your friends at work, in the church, at school, just as your everyday conversations, friends, truth matters. Truth matters. You know, God has designed every single person with a conscience. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, everybody has a conscience. And what it is, it's a warning mechanism that God puts in to your heart. And it does two things. It, It warns when you violate it. It's informed by your highest understanding of what what truth is, what right and wrong is. And when you violate it, whatever you think the truth is or the right thing is, it goes off. On the other hand, if you do the right thing, you live according to your values, it, it affirms you. It's like you're doing the right thing. You feel good about this. But when you violate your conscience, what happens is like, like, like little bells go off. You know what I'm talking about? Of course you do. We've all done this. And if you said something and it's not true, all of a sudden you like, you like start sweating, right? Your heart rate starts beating all, a lot faster. And then the next thing happens is your words. Well, all of a sudden they like notch it up, you know, and all of a sudden they're coming out a pretty rapid fashion. You might even throw in an oath there to like, well, I just want you to really know that I'm telling the truth. You know, you sound like an auctioneer, right? And I swear to you, you know, like say things like that. Friends, God has given us a conscience. And when you place your faith in Christ, the Spirit of God directs and forms the conscience. And the Word of God is the truth. It is the absolute truth. So you actually do really know what is right and wrong from the one who's actually established absolute truth, which is God himself. And you know what? You can even be a Christian and violate your conscience. You can lie. You know, if we're not yielded to the Holy Spirit, we're not taking God and his truth seriously, we can slip into patterns where this happens. I want you to know that honesty starts with the heart. Do you know that you don't have to teach children how to lie? You know, Karina and I are our four kids. I never recall once where I said, you know, Karina, we got to help our kids learn how to function in this world. We got to teach them how to lie. We never did that. Did you know what? That lying, it it actually became, it just came naturally. You didn't have to teach them. And do you know why it came naturally to the kids? Because it came naturally to us. I want you to know that honesty is a learned response. Not telling the truth. We got a propensity to do that. And to lie, it's pretty easily. The moral philosopher Cicely Bach wrote, 
It's easy to tell a lie, but it's hard to tell just one. So I'd like just to ask you, are you true to your word? Are you true to your word? You know, James uh, emphasized this truth that Jesus gave us because it is so critically important for us as followers of Christ, as his disciples, that we are truthful in our everyday conversation. In fact, James wrote this, James 5.12, but above all, okay, but above all, like way up there, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Where did he get that? From Jesus. Now, if that, if truth is that important, then I want you to know we've got a pretty significant problem. Because why? We are liars, right? Have you lied? I have. And I know you have. Why? Because we're all cut out of the same bolt of cloth. Whether it be just kind of minor false statements, little white lies, right? Stretching the truth, right? You know, whether even the classic, you know, like, well, I was fishing and I caught some fish and, you know, some were like, I think, yeah, you know, it was, it was like that, you know? Just little minor stretches of the truth, right? To some major whoppers, right? Some of us have made oaths, serious ones, and we've broke them. <laughs> what do we do? You see, on this very matter, God brings all of us to our knees. We all need forgiveness. We need the righteousness of Christ. Just on the singular matter alone of being a truth teller shows us our great need for the gospel, a great need for faith in Christ, for forgiveness of sins, and for his righteousness. Because when we lie, we've missed the mark. We've sinned. And the wages of sin is death. That's why Jesus has died, to free us and forgive us. And if you think like, oh, you know, that man, people stretch the truth and lie all the time. It's not a big deal. I want you to know it is a big deal with Jesus. He said, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. Whoa, every careless word? Man, you think about your own life and then everyone? I want you to know God is God. He knows all of it. And you're going to be held account for every flippant statement, every false statement, every careless word. And you will be held in judgment for it. And either you face the consequences for your sin or Jesus has already paid it in your place and you're trusting in him. That is why the beauty of the gospel just stands out when we read a passage like this and hear what Jesus has to say. Remember how the book of Galatians begins? Let me just read it to you. It's so good. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins 
so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God, our Father, to whom the glory be forevermore. Amen. Man, that is awesome news for sinners like me. It is Jesus who has released us from our sins. He's literally paid the penalty on our behalf for all of our lives, all of the wrong things, the evil things that we've done. We have forgiveness in Christ when we're trusting that he's our payment. He's died for our sins and he rose again to verify to the world. Indeed, he's God and those who believe in him have been redeemed. But not only has he released us from our sins, he's rescued us, like this text says, from this present evil age. In this world, you know what? People traffic in lies all the time. This is the present evil age. We've been rescued from it. We don't have to lie as a way of life. We live in the truth. We're saved by the truth, and we speak the truth. You see, in the kingdom of Christ, we are known for telling the truth as a way of life. Truth is foundational to all of our relationships. Marriage, with our kids, with our friends, our coworkers, all the folks in our church, its, its integrity is absolutely essential for commerce, for government, for employment, for justice. What we need is truth. And Jesus says, my people, my people live in the truth. So what do you do, though, if you've lost credibility? That, like, lying is kind of like a way of life for you. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you. We regain and build trust by becoming trustworthy. This is a serious heart matter that we ask Jesus, Lord, you've got to help me. Okay? If you've developed a pattern of lying, it's a pattern. Like, it'll keep happening over and over. So you ask Jesus for help. You confess your sin every time the Spirit of God brings to your mind, oh, that's not true. And then, if you're like telling someone something and it's not true, just do this. Just say, okay, wait, stop. Let me start over here. That's, that's not quite the way it happened. Let me, let me just tell you what, what actually happened here. And, and you do that. And yeah, it's going to be awkward and painful, but I want you to know what's happening is you're developing as a person who speaks the truth. And now, it's going to take a little bit of guts to do that, but if you take Jesus at his word and you take it seriously, you take truth seriously, you're going to be willing to do this. And when someone does that, if someone ever said, you know, hey, I, I know I told you this, but it actually was more like this, what you do is you be very gracious with that individual. In fact, you could even say, you know, I want you to know how much I appreciate your integrity and how you value the truth and being a truth teller. And I want to be more like you. You affirm them and you give them great grace because what? We're all liars, right? We all want and need grace. And it's grace how people thrive. It's how we thrive. It's how we are to live. And if you think that this is an important issue, you are wrong if you are a Christian. Why in the world would we think that anybody should believe us about eternal matters if we speak untruth on earthly matters? I mean, like, if lying is just kind of our regular MO, but then we really, like, whoa, 
man, I want my family member, my friend to really know Jesus. And like, hey, I want to tell you the truth about God and about Jesus. If they know you to be a known liar, why would they believe you about Jesus? After all, Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You see, we're in relationship with him, the one who is truth. And he, through his spirit, is allowing us and even commanding us to just speak truth. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. And friends, by doing this, I tell you what, being a truth teller is, brings peace of mind. It brings respect in your relationships. You honor the person. It's a sign of love. And you really develop as a person of integrity. And what a way to live just trusting Jesus and speaking the truth. How do we develop as truth tellers as a way of life? You've got to reject duplicity. You've got to respect God's authority. And then you just reveal a life of integrity. Haddon Robinson tells the story of a Toronto journalist who was going to do a feature piece on mechanics in the city of Toronto, specifically because they had such a reputation of being dishonest. And so he was going to do a a piece on that. And so what he did is he took his car and he removed one of the spark plug connectors. And he did this in 1950. And so if you're a mechanic or even familiar with a car, you know that to disconnect the cable from the spark plug, your car is going to have a lot of trouble, right? It's going to run really rough. And it's going to sound like a disaster, right? And so that's what he did. And then he drove his car to various mechanics all throughout Toronto. And he's come, and he's like, my car, it's got a big problem. Is there anything you can do to fix it? So one by one, he kept doing this, and these mechanics would come, and they'd look it over, and they would resolve the issue, and they would charge him. What he was surprised is how much he would be charged. He received a variety of fees. One fee was $200, in 1950, just so you don't have to do the math, that's the equivalent of $2,160 today just to snap on the cable to the spark plug. Now, he was learning a lot. This was going to be quite the story, and he was probably losing all of his money. He eventually comes to a mechanic shop, and he meets a guy by the name of Fred who owns the shop. <laughs> Hey, my car is having these big problems here. Is there anything you can do to fix it? Fred says, hey, well, lift the hood. Let's take a look. And he goes, oh, there's the problem. The spark plug, it's not connected. Snapped it back on there. There, you should be good to go. And the journalist said, well, well, how much do I owe you? Owe me? You don't owe me anything. No, not a big deal. I just put that on there. I can't charge you for that. No, really, how much... Do I need to pay you for that? And he's like, nothing. It's not a big deal. And then the journalist was so surprised because everybody else had reamed him. And so he let him in and said, hey, I'm a journalist. I'm doing this feature story on mechanics that are dishonest and kind of told him about his experiences. And then this mechanic who owned the shop, Fred, he, he told him when he was asked, well, why are you like this? He's, he gave him his testimony. He told him, 
you know, I've become a Christian. I haven't always been a Christian, but um, I became a Christian, and I follow the one who is the truth. And then, in fact, after sharing his testimony, he said this, Jesus is truthful, and his word is truthful, and he was to be as well. Whatever I do, I do to glorify him. And then listen to this next statement. My shop is my pulpit. Mm, Is that not good? My shop is my pulpit. Well, that Sunday, the Toronto newspaper had a feature piece on the front page. And this was its title. Fred the Mechanic, Christian, Reliable, Good to His Word. And Haddon Robbins said, said, Of all the Bible teachers and seminary professors and pastors, no one had more influence for the kingdom than Fred the Mechanic because he was truthful in the matter of a spark plug. Friends, remember this. Your life is your ministry. Truth matters. You see, in the kingdom of Christ, we're to be known for telling the truth as a way of life. Let's pray.